Hi, this is Terrell Somerville, the lead pastor of Freedom Church. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy the message today and that you'd also take time to get plugged in to your local church. We believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. I also want to thank our givers who make this podcast possible. If you are blessed by this ministry, please consider subscribing, giving, and sharing this with your friends and family. God bless you. How you guys doing? Ah, oh, that was weak. Oh, there's one right there I'm talking about had a triple shot of espresso. Hey, it's good to see you guys. Thank you for coming to Freedom Church today. So glad you are here. Thank you for coming. Uh, last week we started a brand new series called Authority because I have never witnessed a time, in, and God kind of spoke to my heart about this, about how authority is being challenged. Would you agree with that? If so, say Amen. So, with that being said, last week we kicked off the brand new series talking about crutching off. And I shared a story in that about how that I got upset and, um, and started and walked on my crutches for four miles. True story. And I did not exaggerate that. And so, if you were not here or this is your first time or you missed it or something like that, if you would, be sure to go back and check out that teaching. It will be on our app. And if you have not downloaded our app and you have a smart device, just go to the app store, type in Freedom Church Gallatin, and you can look at a lot of different, a lot of different things it does there, uh, but you can look at it past uh, messages and series and things like that. You can catch up from last week. When you do download it, just go, if you want the notes for today, just go to the homepage of the app in the bottom right-hand corner, I think it is, on Sundays, you can go and find the, the notes. So, with that being said, here's what I know about our society right now. They're, our society is really intoxicated with disrespect and independence, and what ends up ultimately happening with that is that it handicaps God's best for our lives. And what's important is that we understand, as I was sharing last week, is that we have got to get under the umbrella of God's authority. Because when you live out here, you're going to get pelted by problems. You're going to get hit by all and drenched with all kinds of dysfunction and things like that. So that's why it is so, so important. So I hope you understand what I'm saying by that. Because we need to get under the things that God has put over us so we can get over the things God is put under us. If you understand what I'm saying with that, say yes. All right. So, today I open up to share with you a story, and this is a true story from when I was eight years old. How many of you ever have those stories etched in your mind when you were a kid? Well, this is another one of them in my life. So, anyway, my father was a, was a, a pianist, and I mean, he could really, what we call, tickle the ivories. And my father uh, actually played for a quartet. And, and he played the piano for a quartet, and, and quartets, back in the name of the quartet, was the Pleasant Airs. And with that being said, um, they would always wear suits that matched for, for the ladies in the group and men in the group. They always married, wear, wore the matching suits and all that. So they were going to get matching suits. And it was a particular night, and I said I was going with them. And we kind of argued back and forth and all this kind of stuff. So daddy ended up letting mama take care of me and, and all that kind of stuff. And I threw a fit that I didn't get to go along with them because I needed help pick out the suits too. So anyway, at eight years old. So whenever they left, and no, undoubtedly they won, I lost, I didn't get to go. I'm sitting in the chair in the kitchen and my mother was standing at the sink. This is just like yesterday. And I was so mad and so upset and so rebellious. I looked at my mom and I said, I hate you. Then my mother proceeded to show me how much she loved me. 
true story. Man, she took a switch, and I mean, you know, my mom and, and when dad, when they would whip me, it didn't matter where they hit you, just as long as they hit you. Somewhere from anywhere from this area to this area here is pretty well where they would get you at when we got a whipping. True story. So anyway, I have a question for you when I share with you my own stupidity when I was a little boy being rebellious, but how many of you hate it? When things don't go the way you think things should, raise your hand. Now, if any of you didn't raise your hands, you need to confess before God for lying in God's house. Because everybody at some point in time in our lives hate it when things don't go the way we think things should go. That's human nature. And why is that? Because we're all born with a rebellious spirit. We're all born into sin in this life. And we end up having those rebellious spirits and that we're living in a time that we have a rebellious society. We see it and we hear it in people's lives. We see people being rebellious when it comes to the government, rebellious when it comes to law enforcement. We see people, be, people being rebellious when it comes to, um, you know, the family or when it comes to the church or when it comes to the marriages, or when it even comes to the ball fields, we see this happening. In the Bible, uh, there was a king of Israel. The first king of Israel was Saul. Saul was a very towering man. He was about six foot six tall, had long flowing back hair. He was the Fabio of the day. And he was a guy that took off in a rebellious direction. And he was also under God's authority, under the authority of a man and a prophet named Samuel. And God here was using Saul as king over Israel, but he was also using Samuel as his spokesman to Saul for what God would say. So, with that being said, Samuel had told Saul, they were going to, they're approaching going into battle, and he told Saul, Samuel did, listen, do not make any sacrifice before the battle until I'm there to do the sacrifice myself. And so the Israelites had an arch enemy. The enemy was the Philistines, and they were assembled at a place called Michmash. Can you say Michmash? Say Michmash. Yeah, if you watch how you say that, you like somebody think you're cussing them or something. But anyway, uh, they began to surround Saul's men. The Philistines did. And what happened was, is that some of Saul's men began to bolt. Some of them began to desert Saul. And so Saul had went for seven days and Samuel told him in seven days he was going to show up and he would do the sacrifice thing, right? Well, when it happened was, is that on the seventh day, Samuel was scheduled to show up and what, and, and so he wasn't showing up. So Saul decides, I'm going to do the sacrifice. I'm going to get my men ready before the battle itself. And so as Saul is doing the sacrifice, when it's about to go out and it's just smoldering, guess who shows up? Samuel. Samuel shows up. And look what it says here in 1 Samuel 13. We'll be in 1 Samuel 13, I think 15, chapter 26, different ones. But this is a great story for you to read because it's very, very insightful in the life of Saul. But it says in the beginning of the 11th verse in 1 Samuel 13, it says, But Samuel said, What is it you have done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering for me, and you didn't arrive when you said you would. And the Philistines are at Michmash ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal. And I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. 
See, Saul is bucking Samuel's authority here. He didn't do what Samuel told him to do. And when he didn't do that, he was ultimately bucking and going against God's authority. So here in this moment, we fast forward just a few years and we see in, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, God tells Saul to go and wipe out the Amalekites. The Amalekites were very evil people that were coming against God's people. But Saul again drops the ball and bucked against Samuel's authority, which ultimately bucked against God's authority. God had instructed Saul through Samuel to wipe them out. When you go and read here in the scripture and you read in 1 Samuel chapter 15, beginning with verse 1, you will read immediately there that God had told through Samuel to Saul that you're to go and wipe out these evil people. You're supposed to kill every one of them all the way down to the men, the women, the boys, the girls. I don't want you to keep any spoils of the war. I want you to kill anything and everything and get rid of it. We want no part of it. But that's not what Saul did. Basically... He bucked God's authority here, and he instructed the soldiers, Saul did, to keep some of the best stuff from the spoils of the war. Now, he did destroy, according to the story, some of the stuff, but he was disobedient to God. So, early the next morning, what does Samuel do? He gets up early. He's going out to meet Saul, but when he gets to meet Saul, they tell him that he's gone to Carmel to be able to build a monument Saul was to himself, to honor himself. So, when Samuel finally reaches Saul, he confronts Saul about what he did, that he did not completely destroy the Amalekites. So what does Saul do? What many of us do when we don't pay close attention to what our directions are and we become disobedient. It says here that he basically uh, is making excuses and he's entering the blame game. It says in verse 20 and 1 Samuel 15, but he's saying, I, but I did obey the Lord. Saul insists that I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the the goats, the cattle, the plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. See, you notice he says he's obeyed, but he really did not obey. Well, in the parallel of the story here, this is what's amazing. There's an up and coming new star that's going to take his place. His name is David. His life is taken off. Here's a Hebrew shepherd boy that has all of a sudden been anointed to be king of Israel, the very next king. And he is a guy that goes out and he kills Goliath, the nine foot giant with a stone. And he becomes the hometown hero. He is a person here that all of a sudden he is on the cover of GQ magazine. He is Time Magazine's person of the year. Everybody's shouting praises to young David, and David is the hero. The women are singing songs about him, and they're selling on the podcast, and they're selling on, on YouTube, and it's all about that, that Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. But there's an issue here with this guy. Saul, all of a sudden, becomes very, very insanely jealous of David. So even though he's a hometown hero, now he's became Israel's most wanted. And Saul, it becomes so enraged, he goes beyond that he wants to kill David, who is, uh, he, I mean, he wants to kill David. And even though King Saul, he's still the appointed and he's still the anointed, he was very unworthy. Saul becomes so obsessed with killing David that there was this skirmish with the Philistines that they were having. And Saul finds out that David was on the run. So what does he do? He, the, he's hiding out, David is, near the Dead Sea. And so what does Saul do? He takes himself and three of his three 3,000 special forces, and he's going and wanting to kill David. 
Now, the place was at these caves. When you see these caves there, it's the caves at En Gedi, and I've been there. And when you look on the side of the mountain, it's very barren, very rock sculpture there in the lower part of Israel. And when you look up there, you can actually see a green spot up there. And you see a green spot, you know that there is life there. And you say, what do you mean life? There is water there when you see anything green in the barren part of the desert there. So this is where that David is hiding out. Now the story goes on that it is so unbelievable that as King Saul is going there, King Saul needed to relieve himself. And it just so happens that King Saul walks into the very same cave that David and his troops are in. So David and his troops are in the same cave. Their eyes are adjusted to the darkness. And King Saul walks in there and the troops, is, they're telling and whispering and telling David, David, here's your moment. You can kill the king. You'll become king of Israel. What does David do in that moment? Scripture tells us as he slips up close to the king and he cuts off a piece of his robe. And then when, and so literally, what's happening there? David has caught the king literally with his pants down, you know, so he could take him out in that moment, but he doesn't do it. And whenever King Saul goes out of the cave, David goes out and David there begins to shout to him here and begins to tell him that he will uh, basically like, hey, King Saul, 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 look what's in my hand. And, and he's thinking, what happened? Basically, King Saul realizes David could have killed me in that moment. And David didn't do it. Why in the world, after David had the opportunity to have killed him and he chooses not to do it, why did he not do it? 1 Samuel chapter 24 and verse 10, it says that David says, I'll never harm the king who is the Lord's anointed. So the amazing story is that Psycho Saul was right there. David could have taken him out and killed him and secured the kingship for himself, but he chose not to do it and he didn't do it. So later, David has another opportunity in order to whack Saul and his 3,000 special forces. And this is at an area where they're camping. It is the KOI, the campground of Israel. Here, King Saul, his general Abner are all inside. They're inside the circle, all the troops and his troops around him. And David sneaks in there once again. And his troops are trying to do everything they can do to get him to kill King Saul, but he does not do it. So he sneaks in there and he's urged to do it. But this is what it says in 1 Samuel 26, beginning verse 9. David said, no. He said, don't kill him. For who can remain innocent after attacking the Lord's anointed one? Surely the Lord will strike Saul down someday or he'll die from old age or in battle. The Lord forbid that I should kill the one he has anointed, but take his spear and that jug of water beside his head, and then let's get out of here. See, at first glance, you see the struggle of lives that's taking place here. You see two great warriors. You see the warrior of King Saul, and you see the warrior of David. You see a first circumstance is that there's this friction going on seemingly between Saul and Samuel. You see this friction going on second to that between David and Saul. But when you take a really close look at what the truth reveals, is it really wasn't a friction and a circumstance that's between Saul and Samuel. It's not really between David and Saul, but it's really understanding that it's between Saul and himself and David 
and himself. See, we all, everybody in this room, at some point in time, we have authority issues. And when we do have authority issues, that puts all of us in constant battle with God. Because we want to be people that want to call our own shots, do our own deal, and say how things are going to go. And we want to be our own boss. So we end up like Saul here. We battle our own egos. See, there's two pivotal points that we see from the story in Scripture with Saul and David's lives. Saul lost his battle with himself because of his ego. He made a bunch of excuses of what was taking place here to Samuel of why that he would sacrifice the animals. And when you look at 1 Samuel 13 and you look at verses 11 and 12, we see here, and I want to point this out, and you can go back and look at it. Saul here is saying that I saw... He's saying, I said, or I thought, or he's saying, I felt. And he brings himself into this story here as if he is the one that is in control, that Saul is ruling over his own life and over his own little universe, saying that I'm going to call the shots. I'm going to do the deal. I'm going to be my own boss. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. Partial obedience is always disobedience. Partial obedience is still disobedience. No matter how you want to call it, no matter how you want to look at it, it's so true. Saul here was dissing God's authority and he was doing life his own way. Saul's attitude, this is what's amazing to me, it's eerily similar to that of Satan himself. Look at the verse I shared last week in Isaiah 14 and 13. This is, this is the enemy here, Satan, Lucifer. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. See, so often we buck God's authority. We want to go our own way. And that's what ends up happening to us in situations like this. Understanding that there's two surefire signs that any one of us has authority issues. And the first and foremost is when we're making all these excuses. I saw, that's when we turn to ourselves and it becomes all about me. It becomes all about you. My perspective, we don't trust God. We don't trust God's authority in our lives enough to see what the other person saw or what the other person is seeing in a particular situation. So we end up being so hard-headed and so rebellious, we take the path of rebellion. And something else, I said or I thought that we end up doing that. And we take matters into our own hands. That's what Saul did. And when you think about that, we fail to take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. We don't realize that God has placed these authority figures in our lives. You say, well, why is that? Because it is to be able to lead us. That's what they do. To be able to help us. To be able to train us in our very lives and what's taking place. Also, Saul said, I felt. That's what we do a lot of times. We say, well, I feel this way. And like Saul, our emotions and our feelings will get the best of us. And I've seen it happen over and over and over again in my life. In circumstances where we don't trust God and we don't trust the authority figures in our lives to get us out of the circumstances that we have gotten in, what we end up doing is we feel pressured to make decisions outside of the umbrella of authority of God and the authorities he's put in our life. So we act out in rebellion. So instead of obeying, we start doing what we think feels good for us. We want to do what floats our boat. We want to be people that surely we say, well, you don't understand, Pastor. I just know that God wants me to be happy. Happy. 
Show me where that's in this book right here that God wants you to be happy and I'll eat it page by page. Because there's nowhere in the scripture that God tells us that he wants you to be happy or me to be happy. But all I will tell you that it says in the word of God, he says he wants me to be holy for he is holy. He says in the scripture that he wants me to be righteous because he's righteous. That means I have a right, not a wrong, a right relationship with God as the authority of my life. Now here's what I will tell you. When you are holy in God and you're righteous in God, being happy and having joyful times is participles of that relationship that you have with God Almighty. So I want you to know that you can be happy at times, but God never said he wants us to be happy. He wants us to be holy. So what we end up doing, we use what we see, think, and feel as excuses to be able to buck authority figures, and ultimately you end up bucking the authority of Almighty God. Here's what I will tell you. The quickest way for you to see that you have authority issues is how you respond to authority. If it's all about excuses like Saul gave to Samuel, you know what? You just look at something visually, mentally, or emotionally. Saul had authority issues against Samuel, which ultimately had authority issues against God. Now check out what Samuel here told Saul in 1 Samuel 15 and 22. He says, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. See, most of us are educated beyond our levels of obedience, aren't we? We really are. This whole thing of authority issues is about obedience. Now, look at the next verse. It says, rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as, as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. See, there's no escape clause for excuses in our lives. Let me ask this question. What makes the devil the devil? A spirit of rebellion. That's what makes the devil the devil. And I hope you understand that. Samuel is telling Saul, hey, Saul, you're tracking with the devil here. You got to listen to what I'm telling you. And when we go against authority, we are doing this very same thing. So Saul had some major authority issues. And because of these issues, God did not bless the man's life. Listen, if you want to be blessed and get yourself into a blessable position and be able to reap all the blessings God has for you, you've got to be willing to be under the authorities' figures in your lives, which ultimately is a direct result of being under the authority of God. If you're not, when it comes to those authority issues, you're going to be out here in life. And when you're out here in life and you're simply doing this and you're out here and you're doing life out here, you're going to get pelted by problems because you're not under God's authority and protection. You're going to get hit with all kinds and drenched with dysfunction. That's what's going to happen to you. So many people want to live here, but they want the blessings of living here. And it just doesn't work like that. How many of you here want every blessing that God intended for you to have before you breathe your first breath? Raise your hand. It's, I do too, man. I want that. And it's all about being under God's authority, which ultimately puts us under the authority of the other authority figures in our lives. 
So one of the surefire things you've got authority issues is excuses, but also it's explanations. Everybody wants an explanation. Everybody's looking for an explanation in their lives of what they want. Hey, can you give me an explanation of this? Can you give me an understanding of why you did this? Can you give me an idea? Why did you make that decision? Can you tell me exactly why that you did that? Listen, it is so many times that people want the reasons behind the decision when it comes to authority figures. I've been having back issues for over two years now. And I went to the doctor and I went this week for the second round of putting these eight needles in my back. And these needles, let me tell you what, whenever they numb you with a needle because of the needle they're going to put in, that needle's like that right there. How many of you ladies here have had an epidural needle before? Raise your hand. I had eight of those in my back, eight of them. It was so bad, you could see a track down there. It looks like I sewed together something. They'd taken the stitches out, sewed my spine together. But anyway, I went in there trust, tr trusting Dr. Coey that he's going to do what he's supposed to do. I went in there and laid down on the table, and they went to work on me and did that and put all this stuff in there to do this practice run before the ablation takes place. Now, I didn't stop and say, whoa, 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 Dr. Coey. Now, before we do this procedure, I need you to tell me how many times you've done this. Can you tell me about your degree? What's your strengths and weaknesses? What, was your, what did you major in? What did you minor in? Whoa, wait a minute. And then I look at the RN over there and say, hey, how many times have you done this? Have you been a part of helping him? Have you ever seen him mess up? Has there ever been any malpractice with this guy? I didn't do that. Because if I had them, they just said, could you leave, please? We're going on the next patient, right? No. I trusted this authority in my life that he was the expert of what he was going to do to be able to help hopefully treat me and being able to find a way to get rid of my back pain. Authority figures do not have the time to explain everything that happens, what's going on under their authority. Same thing with God. If God, if you want an explanation from God for everything he does, God could sit down and start explaining to you the whys and the why nots of what he does, and you will die of old age while God is still explaining to you why he does what he does and why he does it. You understand what I'm saying? It's like the old song. How many of you know that song, Trust and Obey, the old song? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus is to some of you are thinking, I have no idea what he's talking about. But anyway, it's about trusting and obeying. You've got to be able to trust Almighty God for what he wants to do in our lives and, and be able to know that the authority figures he's placed in our lives is very important because the authority figures that God places in our lives, they don't lead us where that we want to go. They lead us to where we need to go. Look at the Philippians 4.19. It says, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. See, authority figures God places in our lives, they are used knowingly and they're used unknowingly to carry out God's will and God's plan for our lives. They lead us to where, not where we want to go, but to where we need to go. I hope you understand what I'm telling you there. So when we look at David here, David, on the other hand, he was under the authority and the submission, and he didn't make excuses or he didn't ask for explanations. He just simply said, when he did not kill King Saul, the Lord forbid. The Lord forbid. The results of his submission was the fact that David was, became a great warrior. He was a man after God's own heart. Victory after victory. He killed and defeated the bear. He defeated the lion. He defeated Goliath. He went from shepherding the sheep to being a shepherd over king and a king over God's anointed people, the king of Israel. 
So when we look at David's life, the greatest victory that David was ever recorded really was his victory over himself. He learned that, that to have the ultimate authority, you've got to remain under authority. David saw, like King Saul, literally saw, David saw things, he thought things, he felt things, but just as Saul did, he did those things. But when the opportunity come for David to kill Saul and take him out, he did not do it. Once again, 1 Samuel 26 and verse 11 said, the Lord forbid that I would kill the one that he has anointed. David was under authority and David was under submission. And David knew that God ultimately was on the throne of his life. So when you think about Saul here, Saul was living out here. He was living out here in his life. Saul was bucking authority. He rebelled against Samuel. He's ultimately rebelling against God. And he put himself into the position where that he was an unworthy authority. But then here's David. On the other hand, David was under the authority of God. And he says, and this is how I responded, because of the Lord, the Lord forbid. See, the biggest battle that we face in this life is the battle of ourselves. And that's ultimately where that we live at. People win a lot of battles, but the biggest battle that you'll ever win is a battle over yourself, the battle with authority, the battle of who's running the show. Why do people, I have this, always people ask me, why do people do evil things and why does God allow it? It's called choice. It's called free will. We're not made to have to love and obey God. We're given the choice and the opportunity to love and to obey God. The problem of this world today is that there is a spirit of rebellion that's taking root and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger all the time. Jesus even said in the last day, sin is missing, basically with uh, talking about sin, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. See, when you think about sin, sin is missing the mark. It's lawlessness. It's rebellion. So we see so much rebellion going on in our nation right now. Would you agree with that? There's rebellion against the government. There's rebellion against the president. There's rebellion against the law enforcement. There's rebellion going on with our children against parents. There's rebellion going on between husbands and wives. There's rebellion that's going on between you and your supervisor. There's rebellion going on in the ball fields and all the different avenues of life. Kind of reminds me of the, a little kid. Uh, the mother had this little boy, and, and the little boy kept standing up in a chair, and, and she was scared he was going to fall out and hurt himself, and it's in the kitchen. So she finally convinces him, sit down in the chair. And what does the little boy, after about a minute, he looks at his mom and says, Mom, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. Isn't that kind of like where we're living at today? A lot of people may be sitting down on the outside but they're standing up on the inside. What, what, we need to understand there's rebellion consequences. You say, what do you mean? Each occasion that Saul, when you study his life here, each occasion that he rebelled and was disobedient, there were specific consequences. Saul's own children lost their heritage that they could have had. And when we rebel against God's authority and the authority in our life, we pass that rebellious spirit off to our children. 
That's what we do when they witness our rebellion. And we fail to learn these spiritual insights of God's character in our lives, and we pass it on to our kids. I've never witnessed a time that kids are more rebellious than today. We've taken, the, we've taken any discipline out of school. Parents today, instead of going home like I did and get disciplined when I got home because I got disciplined in school, now the parents are running to the school and blaming the teachers and, the, and all the people there. What'd you do to my kid? We've got it all wrong. We've missed it. They're, not, they're living here, and that's why there's so much, so much dysfunction going on with people getting drinks with everything that's going on in their lives. They're not living under the authority of Almighty God and living under that kind of authority to where that we're ultimately under the authority of God Almighty. Another result here for Saul's rebellion that his own life was going to suffer. And he was going to be a person that was never utilized to the full gifts and ability that he had. It tells us in 1 Samuel 13, verse 13 and 14, that the tragedy of his life, but he was pulled away from what God wanted to do in his life, and he wasted his potential. So whenever you're being a rebellious person, you're wasting your potential. Don't waste the potential that God has for you in your life. If we as God's people continue to buck authority, we continue saying, I'm going to run my own life. I'm going to live out here. I'm going to give excuse after excuse. And I want explanation after explanation. God will bring a replacement in your life to do what he wants to do to carry out his will and purpose for the life that you are living. If you choose to or not, God will replace you and God will replace me. On top of that, Saul's physical life was cut short. Scripture teaches us. So when we step out from underneath God's authority, we're going to get hit and pelted by problems, drenched with dysfunction, and hurt in every way. But it's when you and I decide that we're going to live here, that's when everything becomes, begins to flow in line because God's ultimate authority. Did you know there's a direct correlation between God's obedience and a long, healthy life? Did you know that? You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, look here. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, it says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. And if you and you will have a long life on earth. Look at Proverbs 3, 7, and 8. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Proverbs 29.1, whoever stubbornly refuses to accept criticism will suddenly be destroyed beyond recovery. How many of you here are like me? It's hard to swallow criticism. Would you raise your hand? It's really hard to take. Man, that is a trait that really... In a character that we need to work on. And they say, well, that's constructive criticism. I don't care if it's constructive or destructive. It still hurts, right? You know, somebody's trying to help us, you know. And you just got to be careful about that and what we're doing. But you can't get over what you're not willing to get under. Just not going to happen. Listen, you say, well, pastor, you don't understand. You don't know what kind of boss I got. You don't know what kind of husband I got. You don't know what kind of teacher I've got. Listen, you don't know this cop that keeps over there at the corner and he's pulling out and everything. He gets me one mile, whatever. Whatever your excuses are, 
Some of you are thinking, what if they tell me to do something that's illegal? What if they tell me to do something that's immoral? What if they tell me to do something against God's will? Less than 1% of the time will they ever ask you to do something wrong. It all starts with you and me having the right attitude. What you've got to do is discern when somebody's asked you to do something, the basic intentions of the person that's asked you to do something that's wrong. And then you want to explain your personal convictions to them. And after you explain your personal convictions to them and say, I'm not taking our client down to Printer's Alley in Nashville. I'm not taking them to strip clubs. I'm not going to do that. But it's all in the attitude and how you talk to somebody. It's all in how you present your case to somebody that might ask you to do something that's wrong. And ultimately what you do, you pray conviction and the fire of the Holy Spirit of Almighty God down on their soul that they can't eat, that they can't sleep, that they'll come under the submission and the power of the Holy Spirit and give their life to Christ. And then you won't have to worry about that. But most of the time it just does not happen that way that people are going to ask you to do something wrong. Give God time to work on that authority figure's life. And submitting does not, listen to me, this is so important. Submitting to them does not mean that you approve of them. No more than it was that David approved of what Psychol Saul was doing in his life. See, when we get into a place of submission under authority, God will show his face to you and to me, and he'll begin to work in your lives in an absolutely amazing way. Listen, If you want to gain control over your life, then you need to give up control of your life to God Almighty. See, once again, David's greatest victory was his victory over himself when he submitted to those authorities around him. And because of that, he became God's greatest king of Israel. Now, when I look at the different scriptures and things that's, that's going on here, I want to go back there. I want to make sure I, 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 I touch on one particular thing here. You have got to distinguish the person, basically, from, from the person that's in power over you. In other words, is you've got to distinguish the position from the personality. And that's where a lot of times we get messed up at. Look at, it, look at what it says right here, like we talked about in Romans last week. Romans 13 and 1 says, So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. See, Saul, he was an unworthy authority. But David here knew that, and it was wheels off, but he respected his position. David respected the position of Saul. And understand that when we do that, we're not approving of what that person does, but we're respecting the position. And when we think about governing authorities, I want to let you all in on something. And whenever you're trying to do something for somebody and understand that you need to be in God's will and God's way. Sometimes people might ask you to do something you're not supposed to, but it's very minute. And you begin to pray for them and and understand that you've got to honor the position. Understanding just like it is with our government. I honor our government. And Jesus said to render to Caesar what's Caesar and to God's what's God. But I will never, as a pastor of our church, I will not honor that which is not in God's will and goes against God. You understand what I'm saying? Just like this. You want to honor the physician and, and not necessarily the person for what they're doing. And I will tell you this much right now. What's taking place in our nation. Freedom Church shut down for three months. But let me tell you this much. Freedom Church will never shut its doors again unless... Freedom Church's elders pray and fast that it is in the best interest of this flock that we shut the doors in your safety. Freedom Church will never shut its doors again, no matter who it is and what they say. It won't happen on my watch. Not going to happen. Unless it's in your safety and God lets us know it's in the safety of the flock. So you got to understand, you got to re- 
understand these things and what we get into when it comes to authority. I hope you understand that. How many of you ladies here, you have a, uh, you have a uh, diamond ring? Got a diamond ring, ladies? Diamond ring on your finger, in your ears, or pinned it on your neck, or belly button ring. Don't show us anything. I don't want to see that. Um, you know, when you think about a diamond, I don't think a lot of people, they just think about the beauty of those. But the diamonds like this thing they're going to put up on the screen here. This is a diamond before it's ever refined. I mean, that is ugly. U-G-L-Y. You ain't got no alibi. You ugly. You know, it's just ugly, you know. Um, but what they do, they begin to cut away the different things. They begin to polish and cut it away and remove the different elements of that diamond that's in the rough. And then they're able to make it into a beautiful diamond, same one as here. Isn't that beautiful? Well, see, that's like it is. When we have authority issues and, and, and we're rebelling, you know, uh, we don't get to get cut away in our life and become the refined person that God wants to make us into. God doesn't have the opportunity to, re, to be able to cut away the junk in our lives when we become and live in our, as a rebellious person. And see, when we rebel, a lot of times we rebel right before the breakthrough that God is going to do something tremendous. And we get out from under the umbrella of authority. The problem is we dodge and we weave from our authorities and there's a less chance that God is going to be able to chip away in our lives and really make that beautiful diamond out of the rough state of our lives. You see, when we get under those things that God has placed over us, then we can get over the things that God has placed under us. And God wants to work in my life and in yours in a phenomenal way. He wants to use us. He wants to give us his strength. He wants to give us his power. He wants to be extraordinarily above what we could ever ask, hope, or think. And that's what you want. It's all about understanding, being under ultimately God's authority. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you so much and we thank you for this amazing day. Thank you, God, for being our ultimate authority. Thank you, God, that you made us in your likeness and in your image and that, God, there each of us are a diamond in the rough, that you do want to chip away the things that, that would stand to keep us away from God, from your authority and under the authority of those in our lives, that, that would take away, chip away those rebellious spirits. And, God, I pray, God, that for every person here. God, I pray for the people here that are hurting, God, and they might be going through a, a rebellious time and there's so many storms going on in their lives right now. I pray for them in the name of Jesus. As we continue praying, how many of you right now would just lift your hand toward heaven and say, you know, you mentioned storms, Pastor. I'm really going through a really, really stormy time in my life. Would you just lift your hand across the auditorium? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Would you pray and ask God Almighty to be able to come into your life and help you with that storm? But also, I want to ask you, when you're thinking about the storm, are you finding yourself making uh, any kind of rebellious attitude uh, in this storm that you're in that you say that might be part of the conflict in your life? If it is, would you say, God, I'm sorry for making excuses. God, I am so sorry for not being submissive, God, under your authority. God, I'm sorry for always wanting an explanation, God. Please forgive me. 
How many of you right now know that there's times in your lives that you've maybe been a little bit like Saul and kind of want to do your own thing, do your own deal, be your own boss, and you've had tough times come from that decision. Would you lift your hand and just be honest? That's times that I've done this, and God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your humility. I want you to pray and say, God, I want you to chip away the things in my life, God. Make me into you, not into me. Make me into your likeness, your image, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, right now, I pray for these hands that went up and even those that didn't. God, bless them right now, God. Chip away in all of our lives the things and make the beauty of what you created us for, to bring you honor, to bring you glory. May your character be our character. May our lives be holy. May our lives be righteous in you. Find us faithful, God. Maybe you're here and you feel that conviction in your heart and soul right now and you know that you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe that's you. You're watching online from somewhere in this big world and you know that right now you feel this state of conviction in your heart and you know that your life is, has rebellion in it, sin in it, unjust things in it, wrong things in it, and you don't want that any longer. In this moment, your prayer is what can make the difference for peace to enter your life in Jesus Christ. So if you've never given your life to Jesus and you know it and your heart's pounding, you know that right now. Would you lift your hand to heaven right now and say, that's me, Pastor. I know I've never given my life to Christ. Just lift your hand real high and say, yes, that's me. I need to give my, God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Say, I know I need to give my life to Jesus. I don't want to live this way any longer. I don't want to live in rebellion. I want to be in full communion and unity with the power of God through His Spirit in a relationship with Jesus. Would you pray to Him, those of you that lift your hand, or would you pray to Him and just tell Him, God, I'm sorry for being a rebellious person. We've all been rebellious. And just tell Him in particular, God, I've I'm, I'm been rebellious. I've, I've sinned. I've done things wrong. And God, I, want, I ask you to let your Spirit come in me. I want your peace, so please forgive me of my sins. Please forgive you, forgive me, Lord, of my rebellion. I believe in you. You gave your life for me. I ask you to save me. My life is yours. If you've truly done that and you committed your life to Christ in this moment and you receive salvation in your soul, he's given you the peace that passes all understanding. Thank him for that. And he's going to give you the power of his spirit to go with you from this point forward. We want to celebrate that. Those of you that under the sound of my voice, I want you to text SAVE to the number on the screen that you gave your life to him. And we're going to respond to you. We're going to help you because this is the beginning of your walk with Christ. Your next step in this is to be baptized, to show that the old person is gone and the new person's come alive. We want to be able to do that. That would be an amazing opportunity to be able to do that. So if you would, let us know that. Take a card out of the back of the seat there and, and put, I want to be baptized on it. Drop it in the offering as you leave today in the buckets at the back. If you're online, digitally say, I want to be baptized. If you're anywhere near close to here, we'd love to do that. We're having a big baptism party, a lake party at the lake on August 30th. So we'll follow up with you. Father, thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you for being our ultimate authority. Find us faithful, not caught up in excuses and explanations, but God, fully following your lead in our lives so that we can be under your protection in life. We love you. We praise you. 
and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God praise, church, all right? Hello, Pastor Jim here. I just wanted to come on and thank you for listening and help answer the question, what next? If you gave your life to Jesus today, we would love to take that journey with you. Simply text the word SAVED to 615-900-2176. And make sure to follow us through the week on our social media accounts at Freedom Church TN. We love you. Have a blessed week.